All right, let's jump in. Let's have Jerry DePoto on the line. Jerry, good morning. How are you? Every week we talk to you on Wednesdays here at 8.30. How are you? Good morning. Uh, I'm, I'm doing okay. So the uh, Braves win the World Series, surprising a lot of people, certainly myself. What do you think was their their key to success? What was the biggest factor in the Braves' run? You know, I, I think once they got into the postseason, it was two things that really stood out. One, their pitchers hammered the strike zone. They just they threw the ball over the plate, and and typically the team that gives up you know fewer free bases is going to win. And and they also had a handful of left-handed hitters up and down their lineup that got smoking hot at the right time of the year. Guys like Eddie Rosario and Jock Peterson, and you know, and the great Freddie Freeman who's just always that way. And Oz Albies. I mean, they they were devastating versus right-hand pitching I thought through the postseason and and most of the the teams they were facing in the playoff matchups were pretty right-hand dominant you look at those trade deadline deals they made I mean not the biggest names in the league not the biggest names that were dealt at the deadline and yet it seems like all those guys came up huge for them in the postseason Oh, there's no doubt they did. You know, especially Eddie Rosario, who I thought in the, uh, in the NLCS especially was was awesome. And, you know, wasn't having the best year that he's had in his career. But he's been a good big league player, and he showed it again in the postseason. And, you know, Atlanta, Atlanta did it with a cast of characters. You know, it's arguable, you know, while not selling guys like Freddie Freeman or Oz Albee short, it's arguable that their best player didn't even play. So, you know, it's a, it, it's not shocking that their regular season looked, you know, less exciting than most World Series winners. But in the postseason, they they, they managed, they rallied around their veteran star, and and they just outscored their opponents. You guys made some decisions yourself here in the last couple of days as the season officially came to an end. Uh, the decisions uh, to to not pick up the option for either Kyle Seeger or Yusei Kikuchi. What what went into that? What led to those decisions? Well, you know, just the desire to to want to be as flexible as we could as we enter the postseason. And, you know, that flexibility is positional. It's from a payroll perspective. And, you know, and in Kyle's situation, a little different than Yusei's. Obviously, Kyle's was more of a final decision. Yusei's, he still had the, the ability to pick up a player option, which he declined. So, you know, it does give us the ability to head into the postseason as, I guess, as untethered as we possibly could. And, you know, now having so much versatility around our field, like we've talked about with guys like Ty France and Abraham Toro and, you know, and a handful of outfielders who can play multiple positions and Dylan Moore, we feel like that gives us the ability to go find as much impact as we, we can. And it doesn't have to be specific to a single position. And, you know, that, that's a nice freedom to have. How important is it for you to communicate those roster decisions with the players involved? Very, very important. We always have uh, and will continue to, frankly. So uh, it's, uh, I, I understand the, the questions that have been cast out, but we have always been very communicative with our players, with their agents, and in, and in managing the, the protocols that are set by MLB, you know, and, and every situation calls for filed paperwork and an exchange of signed documents between the club and the players or the representatives. So, you know, the, these situations were no different than any other. You know, it's the same way we, we manage the, the situation with Yusei Kikuchi. And it's the same way we deal with everything from, from trades to waiver claims and acquisitions. And, you know, those, those conversations do happen and those connections have happened in this case. And, and, and hopefully, 
we will continue to refine that process so there's less confusion in the future. So let's get to the good stuff. How quickly can you start signing players? Like when when can we start seeing names? Let's go. I'm ready. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It, it takes two. You know, we're, we're we head to the to the GM meetings on Monday of next week, and you know that's essentially when the the off season markets will open up. We we a Sunday night or you know midnight uh, on Sunday will be the, the the starting point, and you know which is a really uh, I guess a fun coincidence that we happen to be starting the GM meeting the following day where, you know, most of the power agencies will be there. 30 clubs will be there to, to, to have trade discussions and, and industry meetings. And, and that's something that, that we're really looking forward to. And, you know, we get to start talking about players uh, early and, and it'll start in more earnest on Monday where we sit down with agents and other clubs. I know we don't know what's going to happen with the lockout, if there's going to be a lockout, but this sort of threat of labor unrest and maybe a shutdown kind of hanging over this offseason, how does it affect your plan of, of what you want to accomplish? It doesn't really affect it at all. We're going to approach this offseason as if it's any other offseason. And, you know, we have an agenda. We have roster spots that we want to fill. We, we want to go find impact in the market. And, and we're going to be as aggressive as we've typically been and, and trying to achieve that. And, and that starts for us, you know, on Monday. And then, frankly, in some cases, uh, as it relates to trade, those conversations have, you know, already been ongoing. So I don't know how, how I guess, illustrious our, our November <laughs> results will be, but, but it's not going to be because we don't go in as aggressive as we have every other year. And we're going to assume that it's just a, it's a normal offseason. Well, I wonder how players and their agents are going to treat this. I mean, I wonder, will there be players that say, hey, I want to wait in case there's a salary floor established and there's going to be more money thrown into the market? Or will there be others who say, hey, I'll take a contract right now to potentially wait this out. Just put it all in a signing bonus so I have all my money up front and I can survive whatever happens this off season. I mean, you must have to consider some of that, right? I, I mean, not really. As, as with most things we do, we're we're going to have to approach this controlling what we can control, which is what we know. <laughs> and, you know, we can't start to, to guess about the unknowns or, you know, try to, to put a, a system in place that doesn't currently exist. So, you know, we're going to be open and communicative with players and their agents. We're going to recruit players, you know, to, to come to what we think is a young, exciting team and, in a great city and a great ballpark. And, and that's our, you know, that's our off season sell. We can't get caught up in matters that we can't control. All we can sell is, is what we know. How good is this free agent class? It's really good. Uh, among, you know, among free agent classes, there are always great players available in free agency, but you know, there's some depth to this particular class, uh, especially on the position player side. And, you know, and it's exciting to, to go into a market that is this robust with some flexibility and, and the ability to, to land a player at multiple positions on the field. So uh, it, it's not short on talent, especially middle of the field talent. And, you know, they're as a general rule, you got a lot of guys that are in their primes that are all-star type players that are hitting the market at the same time. And, and uh, you know, that's, it's unique because of the depth, but, you know, it's a, it's exciting for us because this is the first time that we've, you know, really set our sights on, on finding, you know, those centerpiece type players that can really drive a championship team. And, and hopefully we're able to, to 
to bring one to Seattle, if not more. <laughs> doing doing this interview over the next few weeks is going to be really hard for me. I'm not going to like all I want to do is ask you like, so Jerry, who are you signing? Come on, let's go. Like, who, who's on the list? Wh- where are we going? Who's getting what? What kind of trades? You, like, I want to just ask. I know you can't answer any of that. You've got a you know competitive issue where you've got to you know keep some of that secret. But I just want to know. I'm just curious. This is going to be hard. Well, I apologize that it's going to be hard for you. It will not be hard for me. <laughs> no, because you know who you want to go get. It seems like a ton of fun. I'm jealous. I think you've got the best job in the world these next few weeks. It seems like a ton of fun. Good luck. We will uh, talk next week. While uh, I assume we're going to talk next week while you're at the GM meetings. We're looking forward to it. Thanks, Mike. Talk to you next week. All right, there you go. There's-